I'm Mark Benson, and we're in this series on generosity, and I want to share with you a little bit about generosity in the terms of tithing. Uh, Malachi 3.10 tells us that if we give the 10%, the first fruit, to the church, so there'll be food in the church, we can test God and see that He will, in fact, open up the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings so much that we can't contain them. I have experienced that in my life. I have uh, been successful my whole life, it seems, but I had things set up on Mark's time frame and Mark's design uh, most of my life. Uh, when I became a serious tither, God tore some of that down and rebuilt that and put it under His plan following His principles for tithing. You know, given the tenth of my time, my, my finances, and my talent, and uh, that has brought a, a, a peace into my life. And there's nothing better than financial peace, but there's also the spiritual peace that comes with that. Peace and harmony in my home with my wife, peace and harmony in my home with my children, knowing that we've left a legacy in our children, that, that they too are tithers and that they will be tithers and they will teach tithing to their children. That peace is just, that peace is just something that, that, that just can't put a value on. Okay, but that uh, financial peace has also enabled us to be generous. And my family, we've been told that we're generous and we don't want to boast about that. I'm careful today. I'm, I'm sharing this with you because you're the brethren. But we, we are generous people and we enjoy being generous people. I, I know that I can't outgive God. I mean, I, there have been many times that he's had me give a hundred to somebody, a tip at, at a restaurant. And the question always comes, well, I'm going to give this hundred. Well, what am I going to do with it anyway? Should I keep it? It's better served to give it to someone that needs it when it's just riding in my billfold. But it's, it's, it's really, it's really a, a good feeling to be generous, and it's uh, really a good feeling to have God's peace and the financial peace that comes through following His principles in tithing. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Amen. All right, children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit. Rest of you, take out your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3, and as you're doing that, I have a couple quick praises to share that are very exciting. First of all, y'all remember that Brian Cluth was here a couple weeks ago, and he shared about the need in Uganda. And uh, somebody texted me yesterday and said, hey, we're $160 shy of $9,000, I'm going to give that. This church has now given $9,000 to that ministry in Uganda. So really encouraged by your generosity to provide clean water and clean light and smoke for those in Uganda. And that, by the way, the pastor's conference that Brian Clue's going to be a part of, they've already had to shut it down. It's maximally full. So uh, you guys are going to have many people coming up to you in heaven. Okay? They're going to be Ugandan. Okay? And they're going to thank you for the way you impacted their life. Through that offering. Think about how the physical and the spiritual help through just what we're going to be able to do through what Brian does there. Also, another cool praise. So, quick history here of our church. We started this church in 2013, and at that time we entered into a lease to purchase arrangement with Cornerstone. We bought the property for $2 million on the conditions of a $9,000 a month lease to purchase. Half the payments go to principal. We did that three years, then we asked for a fourth year extension. And by the fourth year, we had reduced what we owed on this property to $1.6 million, which was pretty remarkable. So we go to Oconee State Bank and we say, hey, we need a loan for $1.6 million. First of all, a church plant, you're only four years old, that's a pretty big risk for a bank, right, Mark? 
And so I actually asked a financial planner this week who knew nothing about our loan. I, he, I, I said, what do you think was the interest rate they probably gave us when we asked for a $1.6 million loan? And this guy said, oh, probably about 8%. I said, how about 3.85%? So we've done that over the last, so that was 2004 uh, years, 2018. Okay, well, that loan uh, comes due in, in August of this year, and so now it's down to $1.4 million, which is remarkable for a, a pretty young church. We're only eight years old. They said, well, come, come to Oconee State Bank tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, and sign for the renewing of that loan, 3.75%. You guys don't understand finances if you're not about to get out of your seat and do a backflip over that. You don't loan to a church for 3.75% today unless you have the favor of the Lord. And so we're thankful for that. And by the way, if any of you have some, some really big resources and want to just pay off that loan, we'd be happy to be debt-free as a church. But that's where we stand right now, and we give praise to God. All right, you're going to need your notes today. I'm excited about this message. We wrap up our series on generosity today. And next week, we're going to start, I'm going to preach through the book of 1 John, not the Gospel of John. I've already preached through that book here. The book, the book of 1 John toward the end of the Bible. And uh, come back next week because I'm going to tell you about a, a literal sleep dream God gave me on Monday night this week to confirm that this was the book I was to preach through. And so very excited as we march through that book. But today we're going to wrap up our series on generosity. I'm preaching on tithing. And I'm excited about this message because this is one of those areas in God's Word where if you apply and obey God's Word, you get to experience God in tangible ways. You know, a lot of things in the Christian life, you don't know whether you fully obey or not. Do you ever feel like you fully obey, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? But tithing is one of those things you know whether you've done it or not. I mean, it's very objective. It's not subjective. You either give God the 10% or you don't. And the way that He blesses allows you and me to experience God in tangible ways. And you're going to hear about 10 testimonies that I'm going to read to you today that are just going to escalate your faith. By the way, I'm not preaching this so you give more to living hope. Did you notice we've already taken up the offering? So just relax. It's not one of these where I preach on giving and then, oh, now we're going to take the offering. Better dig deep. No. This is where you can apply it, obey it, and see God show up and show off. I've done this even before I was saved. My parents raised me to do this with my allowance. So I did it before I was saved, but then after I was saved, did it more from the heart. And I can tell you by experience, I have seen God bless this over and over. Didi, would you confirm that we have seen God never be unfaithful? In Luke 16, it says that if you obey God in financial areas, He'll bless you with other blessings. He'll escalate you spiritually. And so we're going to dive into Malachi 3. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Let's stand as I read from the ESV. Malachi 3, beginning at verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Isn't that a great promise? Return to me, and I will return to you. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you are not walking with God. Some of you have backslidden. You have drifted from your first love. And God says to you today, if you will return to me, I will return to you. If you'll be like the prodigal who's, who came back, what did the father do? He ran to meet the son and bless him and show him amazing grace. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? 
you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. God says to test him. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we as your people would be seen as a blessed people, a land of delight that even attracts unbelievers because they see our faith and they see you show up and show off in ways that even invite them to receive you and to follow you. God, I pray that nobody today feels any pressure, flesh, manipulation. This is not about that. So God, I just pray that you would squelch anything that the flesh or the enemy would try to bring up to cause resistance to your word. Help us receive it with such joy and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So let's begin by defining what tithing is. It is returning to God the first 10% of our blessings. The word tithe literally means tenth. So it's returning to God the first 10% of the blessings that He gives us. Let's begin with some testimonies. So my testimony file on tithing is literally the thickest file I have. When I put out to our leaders, which I did again this week, and then I went back to what some had given me a few years ago, and I just said, hey, anybody got any testimonies on tithing? Man, they just pour in. My my inbox just fills up. And so I'm going to share a few of those today just to encourage you. This is from a young woman in her 20s. I had just started being faithful with tithing and was working on being faithful with giving above what was asked. So again, tithing 10%, offerings are above that. On my way to church one Sunday, I felt like I was called to give a certain amount in the offering. That amount was more than I usually give. As the offering was about to be passed around, I almost gave a smaller amount out of worry instead. So see that flesh spirit battle there. At the last minute, I felt sure and at peace to give the amount that was first laid on my heart even though it was more. Later that night, I stopped at a gas station, and for no reason at all, a lady tried to give me money. Even though at first I tried to tell her it was appreciated, but I really didn't need it, but she insisted. It was the exact amount extra that I felt led to give to the Lord that day at church. Needless to say, I have since had no doubt in trusting the Lord with my finances, even when it's more than I think I can give. Young man or middle-aged man sitting right in front of me. We, like a lot of people, don't think, didn't think tithing was doable, and it took a bit of discussion and prayer to even start out. I think we actually started at five percent, and then quickly saw how we could go to ten percent. We recently increased our giving and have already seen the blessing. A man to my left. I've been tithing ten percent to my church for decades then would give above and beyond gifts to other ministries wherever God led. At the start of 2020, the Lord challenged me to bump the baseline to 15% and then give above and beyond that. Eight weeks later, I was on unemployment when my industry shut down due to the pandemic. I immediately thought I needed to drop back down to the 10% level since my income was about to be drastically slashed and my financial savings dropped almost in half. And the Lord asked me, why would I do that? What changed? And I love this next line. I explained to him, 
Now, when you get into one of these, I explain to God, like I need to tell him something he doesn't already know, you know already you're in trouble. Your arms are too small and short to box with God. He said, I explained to him there was a pandemic. <laughs> As if he didn't know. And my industry was basically shut down. He and I had the exchange three times back and forth. The Lord said his principle in calling to give what he asked wasn't based on my income or bank account. Rather, it was a step of faith and trust. So I tithed 15% and then gave above that. I was on unemployment for as long as allowed, and the industry still hasn't fully recovered. But somehow, I was better off financially at the end of 2020 and 2021 than I was at the start of 2020. See, that's God showing up and showing off. That's that's a person experiencing God in tangible ways that are unexplainable apart from Him. He continues, Before we began the series on generosity, I sensed the Lord asked me to look for even more opportunities to be generous. This time, I didn't ask Him about it three times. <laughs> I just walked where He called me, and it's been, all caps, so much fun. I love this. So much fun to steward His resources to impact others. Now listen, that last line is key steward his resources. See, this is a man that believes that it's all God's. He owns it all. And I am just a steward or a manager of his stuff. It's his bank account. It's his car. It's his truck. It's his job. It's his brain. It's his body. That's key. Because until you understand ownership, you will never experience generosity. Do you own it? Or does God own it? So, I have five reasons why we're to tithe, and they're all right out of this passage. Number one is to participate in God's unchanging character. It's interesting here that God begins His discussion on tithing by talking about who He is. I, the Lord, do not change. This is the attribute of God called His immutability. Aren't you glad today that God doesn't change? Aren't you glad today that you don't have to wake up and wonder, is God in a bad mood? Aren't you glad today that God... That, that, that God doesn't change and you can depend on His promises and His faithfulness and His mercies are new every morning because you might wake up and think, oh no, that sin that He told me He forgave me for 15 years ago, now He's bringing it back up. That thing I did 15 years ago that I thought for sure I had confessed and it was under the blood. Oh, now He's saying, oh, but you did that. Aren't you glad He doesn't change? That when He says it's forgiven, it's forgiven and it's forgotten. And He doesn't hold it against you. He is faithful. He's the same for you as He was for Moses. He's the same for you as He was for Paul. He does not change. Now, why would God say this about this topic? I think it's because this is part of His MO, mode of operandi, from the beginning. It's not something that is, oh, and you hear this from people today. Well, that was the law. Now we're under grace, so it doesn't apply. And I want to say, is it okay to kill somebody? Well, that was in the law. Are we under grace? That means it's okay to kill somebody or steal? Why, why, do, why does something that, that you think was, under, that was the law and now we're under grace, therefore it doesn't apply? That doesn't make any sense. Well, furthermore, this was put in place before the law. Did you know that? And then it was given in the law to reinforce it. And then it's been reinforced in the New Testament, which I'm going to show you. And if that's not enough, I'm going to give you some quotes from church history that show that this has been practiced by believers even from the first century on. So let's go with before the law. In Genesis 
Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. So you have this firstborn, bring the first fruits. That's the principle. Genesis 14, way before the law. And, he, and blessed be the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram, this is even before his name was changed to Abraham, gave him, that was Melchizedek, the priest at the time, a tenth of everything. So Abram understood from the very beginning, way before, how did he know this? Because it was part of God's M.O. He understood that from the blessings that he received, he was going to immediately give to the priest 10%. Genesis 28, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, of all that you gave me, I will give you a tenth. There it is. This is in Genesis. Then we move to the law. Leviticus 27.30, God commands them a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. It belongs to Him. It's His requirement. Deuteronomy 14.22 Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. So they were an agricultural economy. So from their crops and from their animals, you had the, the bring in the first, the, the, the first animal, you, you bring the first fruits that God blesses to the Lord as a way of honoring God and saying, God, it's all yours, but this is just a way that I'm going to demonstrate that I'm a follower of you. Then in the book of Proverbs, the great book of wisdom, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. It can't get any clearer than that. All right, now we move, and there's a bunch of others in the Old Testament, but now we move to the New Testament. Now, before, you, before I show you this verse, or we walk through this verse, Jesus had a golden opportunity here to say the tithe no longer applies. Because he's confronting the Pharisees about tithing, but with a wrong heart. They were so meticulous about tithing that they actually were about even the, 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 the spices. And they were very legalistic about it, so their heart wasn't in the right place. And how does he respond to that? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, <laughs> mint, dill, cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So what's he going to do? Perfect setup. We're talking about teeing the ball up for a 60-yard field goal. How does Jesus respond? He says, you should have practiced the latter, in other words, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. So in other words, he's saying, even if you don't do it from a pure heart, you don't stop doing it, but you get your heart right and keep doing it, but do it from a pure heart. Did you get that? Even if you do it from a wrong attitude, oh, I'm going to do it to earn God's favor and love. I'm going to do it to show everybody that I'm a really righteous per 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 person. I'm going to show everybody my gift. Jesus would say, look, get your heart right. <laughs> You're not doing it for the right reason. But don't quit doing it in the meantime. That's what he says. Then in 1 Corinthians 16, now about the collections for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, by the way, this is a good verse to support that the Christians had changed the worship from Saturday to Sunday after the resurrection. On the first day of every week, that's when they would gather for worship. Each of you should set aside, this is the NIV, a sum of money in keeping with his income. A percentage. Then if you study church history, tithing was practiced by the church throughout the earliest days. Now, before we get to this, these two quotes, you know that I have plugged repeatedly from this stage systematic theology by Wayne Grudem. I believe if you read any book other than the Bible... If I was on a desert island and they could only give me one book other than the Bible, it would be Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. It would. Well, then a companion was written to that called Historical Theology. 
So what he did in historical theology is he tracked the doctrines that Grudem talks about in systematic theology historically. In other words, what did the, what did the first century believers, the second century believers, the third century believers believe about the Trinity, the blood atonement? You know, things like Calvinism, Taz. Things like that, you know? I mean, what do, so that's important. Now, you don't put what they believed equal to Scripture, but it is kind of enlightening to see, okay, did the early church in the first three centuries believe in this thing called the Trinity? Yes, they did. And so, what did they believe about tithing? Well, in 177, the bishop of Lyons, or Lyons, Irenaeus, pretty significant person in church history, he said this, the Jews were constrained to a regular payment of tithes. Christians who have liberty, they're under grace, assign all their possessions to the Lord. In other words, they don't give less than 10%, they actually give more than 10%. If you were to tell the Christians in the book of Acts, oh, by the way, you need to tithe, they had already given everything to the apostles. They had laid everything before the apostles. They would have said, 10%? Are you kidding me? I've given 100. <laughs> this is why Randy Alcorn says, it's the floor, not the ceiling of giving. It's the beginning point. It's not the ending point of giving. 10%, you just start there, that's like a baseline. Christians who have liberty assign all their possessions to the Lord, bestowing freely not the lesser portions, 10%, since they have hope of greater things. Then St. Augustine, this is pretty powerful. St. Augustine said, tithes are required as a matter of debt. And he who has been unwilling to give them has been guilty of robbery. Whosoever therefore desires to secure a reward for himself, Randy Alcorn would love this, let him render tithes, and out of the other nine parts, let him give offerings. Another testimony, this time from two of our senior saints here, Ralph Motzinger. I was taught to tithe from an early age, so I have practiced it all my life. However, once I was saved, I began to have the inner motivation and grace to do it with joy. God has been so faithful to bless this simple act of obedience, and I've never once been without. At times, He has led me to give way beyond the 10%, and every time He has been faithful to bless me back. I know Matthew 23, 23 and Malachi 3 to be completely true. Jimmy and Susan Bamberg say, we began tithing many years ago, and I can honestly say that God has been absolutely faithful to do what He promised in Philippians 4, 19, to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We've also learned that tithing is not the end, but the beginning of generosity. Now this quote by St. Augustine, notice he mentions robbery. Well, that comes right out of our text. The second reason to tithe today is to avoid robbing God. This is a crazy passage. Look at this. How have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to rob God. I mean, just the thought of that is kind of like, gives me the eebie-jeebies. I mean, imagine today that Jesus was physically alive on earth, and he's living down on Lexington Road somewhere, just about a half mile from here, and you have the opportunity to go over to his house, and, and he's, he's gone. He went down to Popeye's to get some chicken. And, and, and you go into his house, and you take something that belongs to Jesus. I bet everybody in this room would say, I would never do that. That is ludicrous. Are you crazy? And yet, this passage says that if we don't tithe, we are robbing God. Because that money belongs to him. Now, if you're a true disciple of Jesus, it all belongs to Him. But since He requires that we return the first 10%, and I like that return versus give. Give means it's mine to give. Return means it's His, and I'm returning it. 
Big difference. See, that's that idea of ownership. Who really owns it? That's really the bottom line today. And so if I withhold that, then I am robbing God. And let me illustrate it this way, and I've done this before, and I've prayed the last two days that God would truly have at least one person in this service that could truly use $100. So if you could truly use $100, I want you to volunteer. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who would like, oh, I'd like $100 because then I can buy more chips for the Super Bowl party tonight. But I mean, okay, Rita, I know you to be an honest woman. So it was, it was my joy today to bless you. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Amen. She's weeping. Oh, by the way, Rita. Do you want it back? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm no, I don't want it back. However, I want one of those tens back. Gladly. Yeah, gladly. Why? No, no. Why did you say gladly? We didn't rehearse this, by the way. Because God is so faithful. Amen. And I've been helping others. Okay, but, but what about just you and me right now? Who gave that to you? God. Who did he use? You. Okay. So I gave it, yeah. and then I simply asked if you'd return 10 back. And you had no problem doing that. Why? Because you knew that I had given it to you. Right? It wasn't yours. So when we understand, and you can keep that, by the way, truly. Matter of fact, I don't need this. So you take that too. But the reason it was easy for her is because she understood that I gave it to her. If we really believe, beloved, if we really believe that it's God that has given it to us. You say, yeah, well, I went to college and I worked hard to get that master's degree. And I've worked hard to climb up in that company. And that's why I'm making 90000 a day. Okay, who gave you the brain to do that? Who gave you the body to do that? Who blessed you with that opportunity and that job? Because the Bible says, what have you received that, or what do you have that you have not received? And why do you boast? As if you've not received it. It's God that did that. And so when we fundamentally, foundationally understand that it's God that's given it to us, then returning just ten is so easy. It really is. I loved in the devotional that we're doing, Brian Clute, there was one page, did you catch this, where he says, aren't you glad that God didn't increase the tithe from 10 to 20? Hey, it's an inflation year. We better go up to 20 or 30 this year. That's what I'm requiring. He could have done that. He could have said, you raise the tithe based on the inflation rate. But he says it's 10. Actually, the tithe in the Old Testament was about 23%, but we won't get into that. There were three different types of tithes. Now, there's one more thing about robbing God that I want to cover, and it's in verse 9, and this is really interesting. This is another reason why it's like, there's no way Malachi on his own would have come up with this stuff. These kind of verses are another reason why I'm so absolutely convinced it's the, that the Bible is the Word of God. Because man in his even best days would have never written the kind of stuff we see here. He says here that you're under a curse for robbing God. Look at that in verse 9. It's hard language. It's not easy for many of us in 2022 that just love to focus on the grace of God, the love of God. Yes, He's graceful. Yes, He's loving. But there's other aspects of His nature. How about wrath? How about holiness? How about judgment? And here He says that lack of tithing puts your finances under a curse. What does that mean? I think it means that when you don't tithe, it puts your finances under a divine restriction. 
In other words, God can't bless disobedience. About a year ago, I was counseling a couple that was living together and having sex. And I asked them, do you want God to bless your relationship? Well, yes, pastor. We both love Jesus and we want, and we're going to get married. We're just doing, we're just living together because it's practical and it helps us financially. And I said, you want God to bless your relationship and your marriage? Yes, pastor. I said, he can't bless disobedience. You're living in sin. He can't, you have restricted his blessing. By what you're doing. And in the same way, withholding the tithe restricts his blessing. And in this passage, he even says it's under, you're under a curse. And that's why some will say, man, my finances are so messed up. I'm in huge debt. I got bills that I can't pay. So I need to get that settled. Then I'll start tithing. I said, why would you wait to get his blessing to get out of the mess? The best way to get out of the mess is get under his blessing. You mean I should start tithing even when I have debt and these bills that I don't think I can pay? Absolutely, that's called faith. When you do it out of faith, that's when His blessing kicks in and you'll get out of the mess you're in. <laughs> now, there's other factors that play in here. It's not like you just tithe and then you can still you know, disobey other principles in His Word. So there's other principles in His Word and Lucius Malcolm is available to meet with anybody for budgeting and other purposes because sometimes there's things that you have done outside of His will like borrow for non-appreciating items. That can sometimes hinder you financially and you're not budgeting right and you're not waiting on God to provide. Maybe, you know, waiting on that great deal at the thrift store instead of going and buying something, you know, that's, that's brand new. And so you're, there's a lot of factors that go into good biblical financial management. But this is the one you start with. Number three, to provide for God's house. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. At this time, the temple was the place where God's people worshipped and help was given to those in need. The local church, in my opinion, is that today. The local church is the house of the Lord. We're gathered today to worship. And from here, we go out to do ministry and help the poor and evangelize and discipleship. Your support of Living Hope Church allows food in this house for children's ministry, youth ministry, celebrate recovery, counseling, discipleship, prayer, worship, missions, outreach, benevolence, our staff, our facilities for ministry like funerals and weddings and the prayer house. And, and because we started this church on being a tithing church, because I believe strongly if, if this is required of individuals, it's required of a church. So since we started Living Hope in 2013, 10% of what's given to the general fund goes to missions, benevolence, and local outreach. As of October of 2021, we have given $444,000 from our tithing money. Now, if we'd have waited till we felt we could afford it, we never would have done that. We'd have said, hey, let's apply that to the mortgage. I mean, look, we could have almost paid a half million dollars off of our mortgage if we didn't tithe. We ain't going to do that. We're not going to do that because we believe that we are to be a tithing church. And because of this, 50% of that tithe goes to missions, which you see on that wall over there, those icons. 25% to benevolence, 25% to local outreach. Another testimony from a woman in her 30s, single. Two years ago, I was sitting at Living Hope in a service, and Mark Yeomans, this has now been beyond, this is further than two years ago now. Mark Yeomans shared his testimony on how tithing had changed his faith and his family's faith in God as their provider. My mother, who's a strong spiritual influence in my life, had come to visit with me that day. I was still unsure of which church guy was calling me to. 
But as I listened to Mark, I felt a deep conviction over how I was showing my faith and obedience to God through tithing. Despite the fact that I knew the spiritual and physical blessings of tithing, I had stopped doing it. I used the fact that I was church hopping as an excuse for not tithing. As God softened my heart once again in this area during Mark's testimony, my mother put her hand on top of mine, which meant, you better listen to what he's saying to you. I think this is for you. And so over the past two years, I've followed God in obedience in the act of tithing, as well as committing to a new church family and serving in that church, which she does here. I have felt my peace over my finances and how God will provide. Even if it's the end of the month and I need new tires or prizes for my students' prize box at school. I'm still not perfect. I still have debt. But I quote Mark Yeomans, you can do it with God in 90%. See, I call this divine math. 90 plus God's blessing is greater than 100 without His blessing. It takes faith. It takes faith. So it puts money, it puts food in the house. It helps provide for the ministries of the local church. And then my conviction is above that would go to other ministries outside the church. The fourth reason, and I love this one. Hang on, this is going to be good. To prove God faithful. Again, Never would Malachi ever write such a thing if it weren't under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God says, put me to the test. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I thought we weren't to test the Lord. Jesus said, don't test the Lord your God. Contradiction in the Bible. Okay, let's let's look at it. Just hold on. When Jesus spoke that, it was when Satan tempted him on the pinnacle of the temple to jump off. And Satan quoted the Bible. By the way, Satan knows the Bible better than most people today. Satan said, Jesus, throw yourself off the temple and God will rescue you for His Word says He'll give His angels charge over you. So jump off, Jesus, and He'll send an angel to catch you and you won't fall and He'll defy the law of gravity. And Jesus says, no. You don't put the Lord to the test in that way by being an idiot. It'd be like the guy that says, oh, I'm going to run my car off the bridge in California and God will save me from death and show how faithful He is. I'm like, no, you're going to die because He set the law and gravity in place and you're being an idiot. That's the way you don't test the Lord, okay? Then what does it mean to test the Lord? Here's what it means to test the Lord in the context that we're looking at today. God is saying, look, I am so strong. I am so faithful. I am so dependable that if you obey me in this area, you are going to see me show up and show off. And I love showing you who I am. Now, I can already spot a couple people in this room that could probably easily bench press 200 pounds. Rylan? How much? 360! Are you kidding me? Josh Brooks, how much? 385. So let's just say that, that they both have this personal trainer at the gym, and they've been working out, and this personal trainer says, okay, it's time for a test. Time to test everybody. And, and today, I want to see who can bench 200 pounds. And of course, Ryland and Josh are like, piece of cake. Are you kidding me? This is so easy. Put me to the test. Come on, add the bar, add the, add the plates on the bar. And they're like, you know, not in a boastful way, but just that, hey, they've trained. 
they're prepared. They're physically able. And they're like, I'm going to show you that I can do this. Put me to the test. I mean, it's one thing for me to say it. Anybody can say they can bench press 200, right? But it's another thing to prove it. And so they put the weights on, and Ryland comes up, practically does it with one arm. Josh practically does it with one arm. And they're like, just test me and see if I will not do what I know I can do. That's what God's saying. God is saying, I want to be real in your life. I want you to experience me in tangible ways. God is saying, I am so much bigger than the challenges you face that keep you from tithing. I am so much bigger than all those fleshly pulls that you feel. Just test me. See if I will not prove myself faithful. So really, beloved, what does it boil down to? It boils down to trust, doesn't it? Let's be real. This is an issue of trust. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him to be who He says He is and do what He says He'll do? It's no different than salvation. You say, you're going to get the gospel into a sermon on tithing, you bet. I've seen people save Sundays I preached on tithing. Because salvation, it all begins with trust. Who are you trusting in to make you right with God? Who are you trusting in to make you acceptable to the holy God of the universe? Because sin is a big deal. Sin creates an insurmountable barrier between us and God. And nothing you and I do can bridge that gap. Your good works can't eradicate sin. Your church attendance can't eradicate sin. Your giving all kinds of money to help the poor cannot remove your sin barrier between you and God. There's only one thing, one thing that removes the sin of our lives. It's the blood of Jesus. Christ died for sins of the just for the unjust in order that He might bring us to God. The Bible says that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible says that God demonstrates His own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Because it's only by His blood, it's only by His death and resurrection that your sin and mine can be removed and we be made right with God. And so when you get saved, it's where you transfer trust from self to Christ. You realize today maybe that you've been trusting in yourself, trusting in your good works, trusting in your goodness, trusting in your trying hard to be a good person. And today you realize it's only by the blood of Jesus that you can be forgiven. And repentance means you transfer your trust from self to Christ. Today, God, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. I'm going to trust totally in what you did at the cross. This is the only means by which I can be saved. And so, God, I trust you. I believe your word. It's an issue of trust in believing who God is and what he says in his word. And so I receive you in my life and I surrender my life to you. You can do that today, and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life when you receive Christ. And so with our finances, it's an issue of trust. Do I trust God to be who He says and to do what He says? And the fifth reason today to tithe is to release God's blessing. Again, this is so radical. God says, test me in this and you'll see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. So there's a floodgate in heaven. There's a window in heaven. And there's, a, there's rushes of blessing. But your lack of tithing is blocking it. When you tithe, you release it. That's what it says. And pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Now this blessing sometimes comes financial and material. Sometimes it comes in other ways. 
Now, there's two sides to this coin of blessing. There's the blocking a negative, and there's the unleashing of the positive. So here he talks about blocking the negative. I will rebuke the devourer. Now, that's an interesting term because, again, it was an agricultural economy. So they had their crops. They had their their grain and their other things, and they had their animals. And you have these locusts. Here comes the locusts, the devourer. It's going to bring a disease on their crops and kill them, and they're not going to have a good crop. Boom! Because they tithe. Because they put God first. He brings up a barrier. He blocks that locust, that devourer from touching their crop. I've seen this in my life and others countless ways. My van now has 313,000 miles. It just keeps going. It's like the ever-ready battery. It just keeps going. My furnace goes way beyond the years it's supposed to. Now, this doesn't always happen, but I'm telling you, these are some examples of how I've seen this. My wife goes to the thrift store and finds something that should have cost us $80, and she gets it for $5. So there's so many ways God blesses. He'll block the negative. He'll unleash the positive. You'll see God show up and show off in ways that you just go, there's no explanation other than God. There's no explanation other than God. And we had a couple of testimonies in the first service of people who talked about how God kept the car going. And God blessed them with this thing and that thing and things that they never even saw coming around the turn. All right, let's finish with this and then we'll take some questions. Sir John Templeton is one of the wealthiest men in the world, founder of the most successful mutual fund of all time. And he says this, I have observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness. And again, you don't give to get. We're not talking prosperity theology. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithed than among those who didn't. And I have hundreds of quotes like that. Let me finish with a few more testimonies, then we'll take some questions. I came from a scarcity-poverty mentality, which meant tight-fisting the little that I had. When my husband and I were married, we had very little, financially speaking. So that mindset continued. It was not until we in faith began tithing that we began living out the phrase, you cannot outgive God. It was a test of faith for sure. Especially for me, but our promise-keeping Father has opened the windows of heaven upon us so that we can joyfully be a blessing to His kingdom and others, which has been the greatest gift to us. We now listen to the Holy Spirit with excitement and anticipation when He instills within us to give, to give joyfully beyond what we're called to give, not only financially, but also with our time and talents. Test Him. He will pour out for you such blessings that there will not be enough room to receive it. When I was a young married woman with children and lots of expenses, my husband was convicted that we needed to tithe on our modest income. I remember saying that I did not know how we could afford to, but we agreed to one of the commitments, to to one of the best commitments I've ever made. Malachi 3 and other passages convinced me the tithe belongs to God. Actually, it all belongs to God. He has kept me just needy enough to see His sweet divine provision meeting all my needs through the years, and not just financial ones. I've experienced all kinds of blessings, like seeing different parts of the world with all expense-paid trips because God placed my husband in a certain position in the company he worked for. I believe obedience and the discipline of the tithe, along with blessing others, opens up the storehouses of the riches in Christ Jesus in every area of my life. 
The fulfillment that began when Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all of his treasure, continues today. And finally, a young man who has a new child in his 30s says this, We decided long ago that regardless of our financial circumstances, we would be a tithing family. Financial insecurity is one of my core fears. That's an interesting statement. Maybe that's true for some of you. Financial insecurity is one of my core fears. So tithing regularly did not come without challenges when we first started. But as Randy Alcorn reminds us in the treasure principle, our heart will follow where we put our finances. Today, we do not even think twice about tithing because we've embraced the fact that our security does not come from financial gain, but from being in Christ. If God decides to bless us with more or less money, we will give either way because it's all His. Now, my favorite day every month, is getting to write those checks to the nonprofits and our tithe to Living Hope. Amen and amen. All right, let's take some questions. So raise your hand. Mike will be brought to you. And uh, we forgot to do a. Oh, Becca, you're amazing. I said we forgot in the first service, and she puts the number up in this one. Dave? Yes. Uh, Jesse Marzana. Hey, brother. It's kind of a silly thing, but. It touched my heart about being generous. Uh, a couple of seasons ago in church softball, we were playing a, a church of color. And they came to the game with this outdated equipment, really horrible looking bats. And I just handed them both of my brand new purchase, high-end bats, as a donation to their church. And that very next at bat, with a borrowed bat from a teammate, I hit a home run. <laughs> and it was a 10-year drought that I have not hit a home run in 10 years. <laughs> And from that point, at least every season, I get two or three while playing since then, the last the three years ago. That is hilarious. Awesome. Wow, my phone's blowing up. I'm going to try to go here and watch there. Oh, are you excused from tithing if you don't make an income? I know you can give your talents and time. What does that excuse? But does that excuse giving of finances? And I just say you, you give from what you're blessed with. So you may not receive an income, but maybe you receive some unexpected a gift of some sort. And uh, does it apply to time and talents? This passage immediately is definitely referring to finances. So I don't think it directly applies to time and talent, but nothing wrong with, man, you know, if you give 2.4 hours a day to God, that would be awesome. Um, but again, I think the immediate context to be faithful to the text is that it's, it's finances. But give, I mean, recently Dee and I were blessed with a gift from her dad, and we tie that. You know, it wasn't expected, and so it was awesome to be able to bless some different ministries from that. So, and y'all remember, man, Brian Clue, I'm telling you, that dude, that was challenging what he said about how they, every Monday, figure up blessings they've received from that week, and they apply a monetary value to that and tie that. Now, that's a whole nother level. You know, they said, well, we stayed with David and Dee, Dee so we would have spent that on a hotel, so we're going to figure up the value of the hotel and tie that from that amount. Now, that's, that's kind of, that's a whole nother level does remind me of our first marital our first marital argument can i tell it i'm not i won't tell the outcome i'll just say what it was okay so this is my precious wife Didi. she <laughs> oh that was totally from our bank i'm not giving the church's money like that yeah so we're driving to our honeymoon and I'm thinking, well, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord, right? So we, I've said, honey, we need to figure out the monetary value of all the wedding gifts that were given to us and tithe that. 
She's like, what? You mean like with the value of that plate and that saucer and that cup and that toaster oven that was given to us? I said, yeah, tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. And so we need to figure out the monetary value of that entire shape. We don't even have that money. What are you talking about? Anyway, that was the way the discussion went. <laughs> All right, question. You can ask her what the outcome of that was. Yeah, it's just more of a testimony. So um, I'll try to, I'll make it really quick. So about um, a year ago, I was at the top of my career from anyone that would look at what I was doing. That would, it's it it just going up and up, making the most money I've ever made. But for months before that, I just felt, and even years, that the Lord was calling me away from that. So I was an executive of a software company. And I, and I just knew that the Lord was calling me. My heart was not in it. And, uh, but I kept waiting for the Lord to tell me exactly what I needed to do after that. And he just wouldn't show me until finally I got to the point where I just knew I needed to take the next step. And that was to walk away from my career and everything I knew. And without knowing what was going to be, I had no job. I have four children, a mortgage, two cars, no job at all, no unemployment, no nothing, no raising support. And, I, and as I walked in that, I just said, okay, well, Lord, this is how much money we're going to need every month. And uh, six months into it, I looked back, and the exact month, the exact amount of money had been there the entire time. And we were able to give out of that. Mm. And uh, just to show that, that God is faithful. Amen. Thank we, you, brother. That's good. Him. That's good. Amen. <laughs> Love it. Love it. What would you say to people who think tithing is just buying blessings? Yeah, it's, the motives are huge. Just like Jesus confronted the Pharisees that... Um, it's not buying blessings. If your heart's not right, just ask God to change your heart. But again, don't stop tithing until your heart changes. You do it all together. But it's not prosperity. I've said so many times from this point, prosperity theology gets off when, when, when material things become the focus. And you're giving to get, and you think that, oh, this means I'm going to get a new Cadillac and, and get a pay raise. So it's, it, you, you gotta, it's, the heart is huge in this. It's, it's actions and heart, not one or the other. Do all tithes need to go directly to your home church? That's my conviction based on the storehouse principle. I know some have other convictions. But that's mine because I believe the church replaces the, the temple of the Old Testament. Others? First day of the week, which is that day. I already addressed that. It's Sunday. And so that was another proof that they met. On Sunday, they changed the day of worship, the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday. Yes. Hold on, hold on. Bring the mic up here just so we can get it on the live stream. This is my neighbor, so I know it's going to be good. By the way, this dear brother, I, well, before you ask, I, just, I haven't done this in a long, long time. This is the brother who remodeled the house of prayer. All of it by himself. And we enjoy that house of prayer every week. Just today I gave the code to somebody. There was somebody that came early today for the first service because he said, I just want to be in a place where I can just soak in the presence of the Lord. And I said, do you know about our house of prayer? And he said, no. So I gave him the code 0333. You can go in there 24-7. Just go and be with the Lord. So thank you, brother. Anyway. Yeah, I just like the term of return mm. rather than give. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's 
It's a paradigm shift, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. No, thank you. Because, again, it's own, that brings it back to that, what I believe is the most important fundamental principle of biblical financial management, ownership. If you don't believe it's God's, if you believe it's yours, then nothing else can get lined up like it should. It starts with ownership. And that really is a surrender issue. It's surrendering everything to God, that it's His. And, um, yeah. Worship team, why don't y'all go ahead and come up. My parents used to give me money every, every Monday, I think he meant, or every, for expenses when I was in college. They specifically asked me not to tithe. Oh, this is good. They asked me not to tithe it since it was their money. How would you handle that? Ooh. Hmm. And it, oh, it ties in with a question just sent in too. What if my, okay, let me, let me address this one first. This is the woman her, whose husband um, brings home the money and says, you know, doesn't give her the blessing to tie that. Absolutely, you do not go out from under his authority in that. You can tithe from what God blesses you with in other ways, but ask God to change his heart. Encourage him to listen to this sermon. Um, but I don't think that a, a, a wife should, should tithe money that he makes if, if, if he doesn't bless it because that could create a, a rift in the marriage. You agree with that, honey? Looking for you for some wisdom and reinforcement here. Okay. So a child that's given money from their parents, I think it's the same principle. You're un, if, if they're helping support you, then you're under their authority. And so you honor their authority. They're accountable to God for their disobedience in telling you that. But you obey those in authority. You, if they don't bless it, then I don't think you give it. But you ask God to change their heart, and then other blessings that come to you in other ways, you can tie that. Now, Anne, you were in that situation. No, no, no. Let's get the mic on you. Yeah, bring the mic to Anne, please. Because Anne, part of your testimony has something to do with this, doesn't it? Didn't your husband? Maybe I'm wrong. Hold on, I'll wait, wait, wait for the mic, just because I don't want to miss it. I know it's going to be good. Now, I don't say that to everybody around here, Ann. I know what you say is going to be good. That puts pressure on you. That's all right. I know you're up for it. God <laughs> doesn't have any grandchildren. What do you mean by that? Well, you said like the college student took money from the, from the parents. The parents had already tithed. Well, now it's his responsibility to tithe because God doesn't have grandchildren. We each are accountable for ourselves. But he's asking, he's saying the parents gave him money. The parents said, don't tithe that. because. But see, he's, he has the responsibility of tithing. So you think he should tithe that money? Yes. Yes. Interesting. All right, so here we're in disagreement, and that's okay. God doesn't have any grandchildren. And, and the principle, just like we, we tithe into this story. But what if his tithing creates a rift in his relationship with his parents? Because they said... Because they're going to probably ask him, did you obey us and not tithing that? No, I gave that money to Living Hope, and then all of a sudden they're upset with Has that. Has obeying God ever caused a rift in your relationship with anybody? <laughs> oh! <laughs> all right, so this is a great example that at Living Hope, we believe in unity in the essentials, diversity in the non-essentials, and love in all things. Because I'm going to have to wrestle with this, Anne. I'm not in agreement. Okay. But that's okay. I, res I highly respect your opinion on this. <laughs> you agree with her? All right, we're going to take a vote. 
Never before have we voted at Living Hope. We're not a congregational government church. Just, just out of curiosity, and it's really okay if you disagree with me, that's fine. Because I may change by midweek, I don't know. But if you agree with me that he should not tie that, raise your hand. The guy who asked it is raising his hand. All right. Uh, if you agree with Ann that he should tie that even though his parents said not to. Oh, wow. This is so interesting. Were y'all divided up here too? I don't know. You don't know. I'm not, I'm not voting. I know why you're not voting. <laughs> wow, this is good. I love it. Hey, all the pastors out there, this is another good reason to do Q&A at the end of your sermons. Really, this is so much fun. Every service is so different. All right, Chance. Uh, we'll go Mark and then Chance and that'll be it. Got to cut it off. Sorry. And everybody that's texted a question, I promise I'll answer you today. So in First Peter, Peter talks about he, his heart being won over by your purity, right? And, and when you said that about the grocery money, not tithing the grocery money. I so that's, the, that's the, just the context. He's quoting the verse about a wife married to an unbeliever. Yep. He'll, be, he'll be won over by your actions. That's correct, okay. by the wife's actions. First Peter 3, 7, somewhere in there. First Peter 3, 1. Yep. Okay, so once she has the grocery money, I believe with the storehouse principle, she could tie from the grocery money that she received and still present the meal for him that he wanted. Hmm. So if he gives her like, okay, here's the money to go buy the groceries, then she could tithe from that. Now, does, does she tell him? It, eventually. What if he said don't? <laughs> eventually. What if he said, look, I'm giving you this, but I know you're a strong follower of Jesus. Don't you dare give that to that church. All they want is their money. Right. I think as long as she's presenting the meal he's expecting, I, I think it'll be fine. I think eventually, I think eventually, <laughs> right, not hamburger helper, yeah. Hey, the bottom line with all of this, exactly. be prayerful, be spirit-led, get the counsel of godly people. Exactly. All right. Chance will be the last one. Sorry, I got to cut this off. Keep, the, keep that number up. Text me all day. Promise you I'll answer because I don't give a flying rip about Super Bowl anyway. <laughs> I would if Charlie Warner was in it, but he's not. I wanted to make a comment about yours and Ann's battle here because I... I'm with you. I'd have to take time to think about that too, but the, the Bible does say the first command with promise is to obey your father and mother, correct? Mm -hmm. So if the father and mother said don't tithe that, and you did, you have already broke that command. However, I still feel like I could go either way. So I, right. I'm curious to see what you come up with. Well, I'll, I'll add a little addendum to this. The good, good motive, college students. Get out from under their authority by getting your own job as quick as you can, you know? I mean, I understand it's hard in college. You're earning that degree. But, man, let this be a motivation that I'm going to get that degree, I'm going to get an income, so I'm not dependent on them, and then I can really fully, you know, release my, my obedience to God in this area. Well, this has been good, you guys. I hate to cut it off. I really do. But if we go past 1230, the children's workers will not be happy. <laughs> All right. Let's just, we got 10 minutes. Let's really make sure that we've responded the way God wants us to today. So I want us just to go to prayer right now. I'm going to invite our prayer team. Go ahead and come up and take your places, please, because I'm going to give opportunity for you to come for prayer in a minute if you need it. So y'all go ahead and come up and get ready. But I first want to just give opportunity for anybody that may be here in the room or watching online that needs to trust in Christ alone for their salvation. You've heard the gospel today, the good news, that Jesus Christ loves you so much that He gave His life. He died a cruel, painful death. 
He shed His precious divine blood. He died and rose again to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And that is why we must trust in Him alone to save us and to forgive us. And you do that by simply receiving Him in your life. You can pray this prayer right now from your heart. Lord God, I I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I cannot remove that sin by my own goodness or works. I put my faith and trust in Christ alone today. I believe what you say in your word. I receive Christ into my life right now. Come in and forgive me and take control of my life. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit that I might live faithfully for you. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you said. Listen, if you did that today, tell somebody you know that's a follower of Jesus. Go to our app under register and there's an opportunity to say, I received Christ today and we will get back to you. Oh, and if you're still uncertain, find somebody in this room today that you can talk to and pray with. This is the most important decision you ever make in your life. It determines where you spend eternity. So God, I ask you to release a spirit of faith and repentance upon anybody that is yet to receive Christ. And now for those of you that are followers of Jesus, it's just a great opportunity today to to yield it all to God. Maybe you've not been following Jesus. Maybe you've not been obedient in this area. Yield, surrender. Just lay it all before Him. If you need prayer from about anything in your life, come now to some one of these prayer people. They're waiting. Just slip out of your seat and Go right to prayer. It won't take long. Just say, hey, I need prayer for this. Let them pray over you and you can go right back to your seat. The steps or altar here is open if you just want to come and pray alone or fresh surrender of your life to God. Just have some time with Jesus. You come. Good time to just surrender. Yield. Oh God, we thank you. We praise you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in this place. Maybe you need prayer for healing. You have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Let somebody pray for you for healing. 